the family name that lives on. It's all that lives on. Not your personal glory, not your honor, but family. Fascinating conversations with legends in the making. Find out their behind-the-scenes story, how they're creating an impact in the world, and how you can start creating your own legacy. Welcome to the Know Your Legacy podcast. I'm your host, Pippa Bassania, and today's guest is Alia Lanius. Alia is the CEO of Unsugarcoated Media, an author, and the mother of four children. But more importantly than that, She's faced not one, not two, but three different types of cancers and still come out on the other side strong. She, to me anyway, personally, I think she is the definition of courage, strength and tenacity. And I'm honored to have someone on that has such infectious energy. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Mm, thank you so much for having me. I love it. You're such an amazing energy. So it's cool. I'm excited. <laughs> no, I love what we're going to talk about. So um, the first thing I'd probably ask you is why Unsugarcoated? What does that mean? And why call the company that? Well, I have a music background and I loved listening to music unplugged and to me kind of unplugged eventually developed into unsugarcoated because to me it means raw and authentic. You're getting the real thing. You're not getting, you know, all the mastery and fillers that we normally see in whatever our final products are, right? So to me, unsugarcoated, uh, it's a community of people who care about humanity and we want to talk about conversations that sometimes people don't want to have, but we don't want to have it all fake and really we want to have it raw and authentic. And so that's where Unsugarcoated came from. Yeah. yeah. So you were saying, I think just before we, we actually got on, on live, you were saying that the company is about to launch or like you're leading yes. up to the launch. So, so yeah. If you talk about well, the company exists, but I'm officially launching it. And what that means, I mean, my company already exists, what I'm doing is inviting other collaborators, people from different you know, areas and different discussions and different topics. And it's, it's cool because we all have a passion to be unsugarcoated. Like that's the thing. You have to want to speak candidly, you know, when, which is why I love coming on your podcast and when that whole premise of knowing your legacy and what are we leaving behind? Ultimately, that's what we're doing. We're trying to build a legacy, legacy for ourselves, for our families, and one that has meaning. And, you know, especially in today's world with social media and everything we've got, there's so much content, so much information, but we're, we're, where's the meat of it? Where's the good part? Where's the part that lifts you up? I can watch the news. I'm sure you do. I, I don't know if you get depressed. I get depressed. It's, yeah. it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Right? That's why I, I try not to watch it at all like that because it's just... I, you don't really get I don't think I get anything out of it like I just it's all I was talking to my mom about this the other day she was listening to it she's like no you have to like how are you going to know what's going on in the world I was like I want to take a listen to it for a second and <laughs> realize that they're only telling us negative stories why is that there's so many good things that are going on in the world right now like people are like getting the promotions they want they're getting married they've got like kids being born like there's good stuff happening out there whatever that might be for the individual but that's not being championed or like celebrated we're only talking exactly. negative things. And that's a whole separate conversation, but like it is depressing. It is, it is. And so, you know, that's where the content we want to bring uh, is about, it's got that heavy content or it's got that heavy where we can talk about the real issues that need to be talked about, but we also want to do it in a way that brings us together. And especially, you know, like 
you know, I don't come away from certain things. Feel, if I don't come away feeling uplifted and feeling better, then I almost feel like I kind of wasted my time and my effort. And so, and I do realize that there's tragedy and grief in this world. I'm not a stranger to that by any means, but we also need to remain positive and hopeful. And, you know, that's what Unsugarcoated comes with. And in general, I just, like you said, champion doing bigger and better things in our community and even, you know, abroad, we're both international communities. I, I love London. It's such a beautiful place. I can't wait to be back there. Is it cold right now? Out of your side, side it, note, that's is it cold? No, no, that's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, it is cold. It's, it's, it's one degrees here, which is basically, well, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, oh but like, it's what it is. absolutely what? freezing. Like I was just thinking today, I want to get out of it. I was talking to a friend and I was saying, oh, I want to move to a sunny country. And now you're saying you want to come to London. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, I'm a baby in LA. I'm cold as if it's, it's, it's 50 degrees. And I'm like, ah, one Celsius, I think that's about 30, uh, 30 Fahrenheit possibly. Probably, yeah. But it's, it's very cold. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't want to be freezing my tail. <laughs> but, uh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, so just to give an example of like some of the media or some of the content you're going to put out, is it mainly like articles? Is it going to be like um, films? What what sort of stuff can people expect? It is. It's going to be a mix. Uh, like I said, I have different contributors. I have people who are going to speak on the topic of cannabis from a chemistry or like a, a, a community perspective. I have a travel blogger. Actually, it's so cool because some of these are people. I have a friend. I have a best friend who has been sending me postcards from everywhere that he's traveled in the world for 20 years. I have postcards from all of these amazing places and so I ended up approaching to him saying you've been to all these places you already do this magnificent gift to me you need to share it with the world and he was like you know what I'm gonna do it and it's awesome to actually get another person to understand their own purpose and their own ability and get them to dream bigger and aspire to be you know do big things in the in the community and, and share their journeys with the world so you know, there's going to be videos also like for example I just my I have another friend and I and another gal I went to Starbucks this week and did a random act of kindness where I just paid for a group of people, several people. We paid for their, uh, their breakfast, their coffee, their lunch, whatever it was. And so many people were surprised and we ended up getting, gathering all the video clips. We're going to be releasing it before Christmas, but our compilation was twofold. One for us to do something, you know, it always does feel good to do something for someone else. The second fold is being able to hopefully inspire and create content that inspire other people to go out and do the same thing. Right. And so, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, speaking on sugarcoated, I love a great Instagram profile that promotes a great shoe or a great handbag. I mean, I have nothing against, against those but the content that we look to bring is stuff that really is uh intended to move people and make them desire to do more within our own communities you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah most definitely so um no that's 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 amazing stuff because i think it's content that people need to see and people need to hear like on an unfiltered level um as well because there's so much stuff right now that we get it's all like edited like we don't, right. we don't get to see the real version of the person or like mm -hmm. the real activity that they're actually up to. They only show us like the, the, the celebrity part of it. Um, right. The part that they want, they want to show us and we don't get to see the full picture of, of life, you know, and which is, which is why I'm so adamant on my social media that I post pictures of me in my robe in the morning with like, you know, no makeup on. I want people to know that I am a real person. And you know, as you mentioned, I'm a mom, I have four, 
children that I have given birth to. And I also have fought cancer. I live with two autoimmune diseases and I write my books and every novel that I work on, that I've worked on or that I will work on have a purpose behind just writing fiction. I'm not just writing, you know, and he took me by the hand and led me to, the, you know, to the car. I, I really want to write fiction that matters and has a purpose. And it's, it's just great to be able to, like, I love doing lives. It's my favorite thing because when something goes wrong, I want people to know that's okay. I'm, I'm comfortable with you seeing my imperfections. I'm comfortable with doing a live and my husband trying to suddenly walk in the room because he doesn't know it. That's the best part. Like, that's real life. Like you said, yeah. I'm not trying to give it unedited or edited. And at the end of the day, we need to ultimately find a way to positively share the good and bad in this world because life does not always come with a pretty bow on it. Like my life didn't come with a bow on it, you know? So it's just been my passion to really talk about things, but in a positive, not a blaming way, especially like with politics, we have another campaign coming up. It's kind of crazy in the world right now. And all I know is I'm still fighting for humanity in general, no matter yeah, what yeah. side of the aisle they're on, no matter what their religious belief is, the color of their skin, I care about humanity, period. What do you care about? You know, that's that's what I'm challenging people to think about. Yeah, no, I love that because it comes across in your voice and in the energy, like, and just the way you are. Like, if anyone was to speak to you, they'd be able to tell that straight away. And that's why I want to try and get on people and speak to people like that who are trying to actually like shift the world in a positive direction because there's so many people going the opposite way. And maybe it's their fault, maybe it isn't, but like some of us more so than others are woke, like if you want to use that term, or more consciously aware of certain things going on. I, th I think it's not, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a responsibility, but if you do feel strongly enough, then you should voice it so that other people can become aware and conscious as well. So they can start making decisions from a more conscious point of view. Because right now I was just talking to a friend of mine uh, on, on my way back a few hours ago, and he was talking about someone asking him or a lot of people asking him, um, how do you be positive? How, how, how can I, you know, include self-love and just like, you know, be a more positive person. And he was just saying like, he just released his book and he was saying like, I just realized through the writing of this book and just taking a lot of time to think and reflect, it's, it's not, there's no thing that you can do. It's a lifestyle. Like everything you exactly. eat, people you speak to, the relationships you have, the, the stuff that you say to yourself, the stuff that you watch, the stuff that you listen to, all of that makes mm -hmm. you a positive person. It's not just, let me just watch this video and that's yes. it, I'm positive. There's no trick. It's a lifestyle change. It, it, it absolutely is. I mean, that, when, exactly. Unsugarcoated. I have, you know, it's so true. It's a lifestyle that you lead where you are aware. And by the way, I'm not always perfect. I tell people it's, I'm not perfect. I get upset. I don't always say the right thing. I don't answer the right way, but you know, I always, you know, just every day I say to myself, okay, well, if I messed up, guess what? I get another opportunity right this moment right now to course correct or change that. And, you know, we just, we live, <laughs> it's funny because even when people ask me and writing my first book, my first book for people who don't know, it's a biographical fiction based on part of my life. So all the things that happen in the book are real, but some of the details and certain things are fictionalized. And a lot of people say it must've been very healing for you because of the things that I share and the things that I talk about. And I'm like, well, you know what? Healing is not the right word. Empowering. And the ability to empower others, that's the feeling that I get from writing a book that can go out there into the world and do something. You know, it was less cathartic for me. It was actually, you know, it's more painful, if anything, for writers when we really hash into a part of our past that's not very comfortable. It is so, but it's important and you can never know how 
powerful your story is until you actually share it. That's why there's the joke. If you're a writer and someone meets you, Oh, I've wanted to write a book. And it's like, you know, I'm always like, well then write it, you know, there's (laughs) write it, write it, go to it. What have you got to lose? I didn't even care. I did not care if some publisher came along and picked up my book and said, we're going to sell it. I didn't need a publisher to tell me my book was worthy to be sold or worthy to be out there. I knew it. And I wasn't going to let anything stand in my way of making my dream into a reality. And I think a lot of people give power to others in order that in it, and somehow dictate their happiness or their self image or what they're seeing in their world. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, I, I want to say something on that just now, but I'll just say quickly just to stop you before we carry on. Um, I think the sun is coming up quite a lot where you are. So it's starting to get really exposed on your face. So if you could just take the blind down, I don't know what, what you need to do, but just to shut the light out just a little bit more. Okay. Me. We'll just keep this rolling. It's fine. Okay, yeah, I know you can edit it. <laughs> do I not have a nose? No, you do, but your cheeks are starting to go. <laughs> oh, how funny! I can't see. Let me see. I don't. I can't see. So, okay. Let me. I wonder if I pull it a little bit closer. Not that any. Does anyone want to get closer to me? <laughs> just kidding. I don't know if that helped or not, but I'm sorry. It's just really bright here in yeah, LA, yeah. unfortunately. Is, it, is, is there a way to like close the curtains? Or I don't know if you can do that at all. I did. That's with the curtain oh, closed. Really? That's <laughs> the funny part about it. I cannot begin to. All I can see, let me see if I. Yeah, that, that helps. Yeah, if you go in that direction. Reposition myself. <laughs> I just didn't want you to see the messy room. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> okay, is that better? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, no. Okay. Now, now it's half half lit up and half not. <laughs> like the uh-huh. right side of your face is all white. Uh-huh. Okay, let's see. The right, I, yeah, because that's the thing. When I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> oh, God. Just leave I the mystery so room. It doesn't matter. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, 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 that side works. That side works. Okay. There we go. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that works. That works. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Um, what was I going to say? So, on, on that topic, you were saying about the publishers not re- really like, you don't need the publisher to give you approval, basically. And we'll get into like the writing process and like what you did and the thoughts that went through your mind. But um, again, like one of the guys I was speaking to today, um, shout out to Vex King for his new book. Um, he was talking about how he went to um, a publisher and there were, he, basically he said one of the topics he wanted to talk about in there was legacy and how you want to be remembered. And like he touched on that and intertwined it with like self-love and changing your habits for a positive lifestyle. And he was saying that they were like talking about how that's not really going to vibe or like that's something you talk about when you're like in your sixties and he, he's in his, I think he's in his early thirties or just, mm-hmm. 30, just turned 30. So He's an influencer on Instagram, like, but he keeps it real, keeps it authentic, unsugarcoated, as you like to say. Like, that's how he is. He doesn't put any fluff on it. I think that's why people are really attracted to his messages about like relationships and self-love. Anyway, he said, like, why is it that we have to wait until that point to talk about legacy? And I said this to him as well. I was like, this is why we're friends, because you think the same way as I do. And it's like, maybe that'll be too late. How do you know you're going to survive till that point? How do you know that you're, you're going to be able to do everything with the health and with the money and with the current circumstances that you think you have now at the age of 60. Like, why are you waiting until then? It doesn't make sense. And so he said, it's a naivety. He didn't, yeah, he didn't go with those publishers. So I don't need them. I'm going to find the publisher that fits well with me. And so, you know, yeah, like God willing, it happened and he found the right publishers that matched him and the books out there. But like, that's why I wanted to just make that point. Cause I know you're, you feel the same way and you're quite, you feel quite strongly about that. And, 
I think it's, it's a difference between being, feeling really passionate about your message and then just wanting to make a quick buck and let me just get it out there. Like these guys are going to distribute it. They're going to give me like the money's on the table. Shall I, shall I not? It's not, if you're, if you are true to your values, there is no, shall I, shall I not? It's just fuck off. Like right. <laughs> I right. need someone, I need someone who is in line with my values, but yeah, go on. Well, not everyone can afford to do that. And I understand that I'm a business person. I've built successful businesses in my background. And it's funny because there's two parts of that that I wanted to say. First of all, there is that naivety. You know, I'm 43. A lot of people are always surprised when they meet me, they be my energy. And they're like, oh, you don't seem like you're 43. But I am 43. And I tell you, I've learned a lot since I was 23. You know, that, that time you grow, but it is so we are so naive a lot of times to think that we will have that time to grow wise and then be able to reflect and then come to this, you know, epiphany and enlightenment as we get older. But why I love meeting younger people who understand we can have that wisdom now and we should, and they look and they seek to grow and, and not have these, this blase experience through life. I've told you before my, the first year that I battled cancer, uh, I think I did seven of my good friends passed away. And I share that story so often to explain why I say I don't waste time that others wish they had. You know, I know women, uh, and I, uh, so to, to, to say that, is, I've had a lot of people when they find out I had cancer, especially when it was active, they're like, well, it's mind over matter. And, you know, and I'm like, it's really not. Unfortunately, the mind over matter part comes in how your journey is. But if the moment comes that it's my time to go, it will be my time to go. I have no... I have no control over when that happens. So for people to always, I know good people who fought, who were rock stars, who wanted to live so badly and they didn't get to live. So I'm not naive in my awareness that in a heartbeat, you know, I'm married to a man. A lot of people see my life. They see glamorous. He's, you know, this film attorney in Hollywood and we have this great life. I'm like, I, I love him, God forbid, but if something happened to him tomorrow, I have to still be able to carry on this legacy that we're creating. Do you know what I mean? You don't just place it in someone else's on shoulders. It's my, it's my shoulders too. So I say that where people just kind of do live in this uh, walk around without really planning. If you ask so many people out there, how many have a will? How many actually have directions should something happen to them? Not many people like to think about that, you know, which is so incredibly naive because we all know we're going to die. There's not one person in this world who has gotten to cheat death, you know, and uh, and I think about that, you know, how society, the people that I see out that one that is one positive I got to, you know, say from social media. And I'm sure you've seen it. It is really cool to see a lot of people who want to be inspirational, who want to motivate themselves, their family, others. I mean, it's really cool. I will say it's very inspiring. Um, I just think that some people, you know, right now, and it's kind of like the internet where everyone's trying to become an influencer and everybody's trying to make money. And I'm not, and so that was my second part. I'm not offended for someone who wants to make money at a business, if, but I don't like people who just want to make money off of people just to make money off of them. And they're not true to themselves or they're not true to their passion, you know, and they're, and to me, that's where I think the danger is in, in social media. You know, you have your influencers who want to influence good, powerful, passionate, and then you have people who just, want to influence other people, you know, to want things they can't have or feel less than or feel like I'm not, I'm not skinny enough. You know what I mean? I'm very, I'm not, I'm not coming out of a Bentley on Rodeo. So I'm just not cool. It's like, no, 
baby, that's not what makes you cool, you know? So that's yeah, just my thought on it. People, no, I love that because it's, it's, but people are so impressionable, if that's even a word like these days, especially the younger generation who use that, or use like social media and apps and stuff like that on their phones. Because like, when I was like 14, 15, I didn't have an iPhone. Like it was just a standard like Nokia, like old school phone. But now you've got like 11, 12 year olds on iPhones. They know how to use apps. They know how to do Instagram, Snapchat, and all that stuff. And they, and like the media that they're seeing through that is unfiltered because it's up to, there's no like adult filtration as, as far as I understand. It's just like, do I want to follow? Follow. Right. Just hit the right. button and that's it. And now you're going to absorb that material but you don't know who that is that you're absorbing right. you've just seen a cool car and you think oh that's what I like and then you grow up looking at that every day people you're on it every day like let's just be real like you're gonna go on that app and look at what other people's lives are like every single day i know because i do it because i'm on instagram so right it, you just have to be careful like who you're letting in to your feed and like because that's who you're letting into your life basically you know sure so. right yeah, exactly. What you feed your soul? What are you feeding your soul? I mean, people want to do big things, but they don't feed themselves good food. You can't, you have to eat meat and potatoes if you plan on going and running a marathon, right? You don't, you know, yeah. you don't, you don't live on water for a week and then go and try yeah. to run a marathon. So the, I, I agree. And, you know, but it is, there is, I very much teeter I, when it comes to my social media presence, I will be honest with you. You know, there's a lot of things that I could post that I know would, um, share a part of my life that people will be like, Oh, that's so cool. Oh my gosh. But I don't. And I do that for a reason. I share the good parts. I try to, but, and, and bring and welcome people in, but I don't want people to think that I'm trying to, um, like a showboat. And to me, I almost think, think it's dangerous to be honest. I have kids. I don't want people, I mean, stalkers are crazy. I have friends with stalkers. They're not fun. I don't want one. I, I'm not looking for that kind of, you know, all I want to do is share a good message. No stalkers, please. <laughs> so, you know, but yeah, but, no, no, go on. No, I was saying, but like, I love the fact though, that social media does still bring good people together you know, case in point us. And of course, my other, our other friend Anshal doing amazing things. We're going to be doing an uh, event here in LA this coming August, which is going to be an international collaboration that we are very, very excited about. So there's lots to stay tuned for there. Awesome. <laughs> just so you know. Yeah, no, no, that's good. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on. But like, uh, just to rewind, because I know that when we were talking before, like you've, you've had a bit of an adventure coming up to the age that you are now, like you've done a lot of crazy stuff. You've had a lot of successes. You've had a lot of failures. So just so people like, see the twists and the turns that you've been on, like the crazy journey, like if we take it, take it back to like where you think is appropriate for people to understand your journey, like 10, 8, well, 12. Well, I, I, I won't do it. There, it was a starry night that I was born. <laughs> I won't do that. But no, um, you know, I think to me the most probably significant time of my life is from 14 years old on. From 14 years old, I was literally homeless at 14 years old. I had parents who were capable but selfish and they were divorced when I was very very young so when I came to be of a teenage age what happened is I got stuck between two parents that didn't want to deal with me you know my mom had said I um you know wait one second I don't know if that came <laughs> I, I had my my mom who had basically raised us and said I'm done I put in 14 years of being a single mom go to your father. My father said, I don't know you guys <laughs> go there. And literally my brother, I had a younger brother and I we ended up homeless on the streets. I was sleeping in Kaiser ICU waiting rooms. I was a kid. 
I was a kid and I don't um, hate my biological parents. I'm just aware and I recognize that they were not uh, supportive the way that they needed to be. And uh, as a result, I suffered. Now, uh, I grew up, <laughs> talk about trends, and, and I got kind of back on the right track, right? I ended up going to a private Bible school and I got a degree in, uh, in, uh, in biblical history. And then after that, sorry, did I go away by chance? Okay. Um, and then after that, so sorry. So I got my biblical degree and then I started on life. My, I had a tragic incident with my grandfather died. And then I don't know what happened before, but I just like lost all sensibility. I, um, I ended up getting in trouble with the law. And at 18 years old, I spent three months in jail, in county jail in my hometown, which was not cool because the judge that actually presided on the case was friends with my grandfather. It was, you know, small town. But my family, I will say, and, you know, they were like, you got yourself into it. You get yourself out. And I did. And I learned. And by the time I was 25 years old, actually, by the time I was 23, I had my first business. By the time I was 25, I had my first company. I graduated with honors from university and I was accepted into law school later on. And I learned what it is to fall on your face and get back up. And a lot for a long time, I didn't share that first part of my story because I didn't want people to look at me and think, oh, well, you're just not, you know. But again, talking about growth and where I determined my worth, I hold no shame. And, and again, how can I let someone else know that they can fall and get back up if I don't share that I did it myself? We need examples, right? Like, otherwise people say, I can't. I hear that too often. Well, I can't get out of the situation that I'm in. No, you can if you try, or at least try to never give up trying, you know? So, I, I mean, I ended up, you know, getting married. And then in my late 30s, I went through a divorce, which was very difficult because there was, you know, I had built my family, I had built my life, and then it all fell apart. But the good news is there's that saying, sometimes things fall apart, so it can all come back together again. And I never was not confident in that, I can tell you. I didn't know what my, my future held, but I knew it was only going to, it was really just starting. And I was very excited about that part. And I got remarried. And I had a baby two years ago, as you know, which I spend half my time chasing her around in between writing and, you know, homeschooling two middle school kids. But, you know, I mean, going back to like where I learned, I literally read Maya Angelou at 18 years old and realized that it is completely possible to come from ashes. And, and you know, I think that being in jail is a pretty low point, <laughs> but the good news is you can only go up from there. <laughs> you know, it's, it wasn't. It wasn't easy and people look at me and they would just never think that I have actually uh, been through some of these things. And people expect me to be ashamed of them still, but I don't, I don't allow them to. I'm not going to be ashamed of it. It happened. I was 18 years old. Show me an 18 year old that doesn't make stupid mistakes. And, and you know, I mean, I'm sure there's a few of them out there. You're like, I never went to jail at 18. <laughs> you probably didn't. But guess what? I wasn't one of them. I wasn't like, I you know, I didn't have, like I said, my life didn't come with a bow. And though, um, you know, but I, and, is, and then when I had cancer, people think I'm crazy when I say, I don't regret having cancer. I regret going through the disease, but I don't regret what having cancer actually somehow brought into my life. And it did teach me that to everything negative, there can be a positive. And, you know, I look for those positives now and I encourage other people to look for those positives. That's the point. That's the point, right? Like what, what is your goal with your podcast to reach people, to touch them? 
Well, not physically. Yes, uh, I'm uh, asking you. <laughs> I thought it was a I'm, now I'm asking you a question. I was no. like, what's next? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, to, yeah, to inspire people to think about how they want to be remembered. That's basically it. And it's by, you know, me sharing my story and getting you to share your story. You know, having people yeah. who want just... But, you know, I like what you said about coming from the ashes because that is the reason my logo is a phoenix. That's it. Yes. Because it's yes. happened to me so many times physically and in the businesses that I've tried to start, which have made a bit of money and failed, made a bit of money, failed, failed, failed until I've got to this, which seems to be picking up and God willing, it continues. But same with my health as well. It went to complete shit. And like, I, I, same way as you, I was very uncomfortable sharing pictures of my face and like, like I've got, so you can see it, still see it here. And like, it was all over my body. And now I'm coming to terms with just like you. I'm grateful I went through it because it's built my mental strength. Like without that, that was the thing that made me feel like I'd rather be dead. I feel like I'm in my own grave. I can't move my hands and legs. I can't turn my neck like this. I can't live. Like I'm basically in a dead shell. That's what my body was. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk properly without anything right. hurting. Right. I came through that. And then now it's it, this may sound weird, but it's like, I don't really fear death. I don't care because I've been through so much pain, so many drugs and steroids and creams that not only am I mentally stronger, but I've realized so much about education and right. how to actually approach health and holistic living and what the power of your mind can do. And all of these other things that have come out because of that. Right. So there's so much I want to dig into, like in your personal story. So let's just rewind all the way back. From right. being homeless, you made it sound like that's what every kid goes through, which they don't. So, <laughs> how 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 did you deal with that? Like, what 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 were the emotions going through your head when you, when your mom was like, "All right, go to your dad." So you must have thought, "Okay, fine, yeah, you know, dad should look after us because the dad should yeah. do that." But then when he says, "Like, oh, no, I'm not really," doesn't really show any signs of caring. What goes through your head as a 14 year old? I mean, you definitely feel like there's something wrong with you. And I, leading up to what happened when I was 18, I, I did. I had this immense fear that no one loved me, <laughs> you know. And, and to some degree, they didn't know how to love me the way that they should have. I think that really when we look back at our parents and some of our grandparents' uh, teachings and philosophies, it wasn't always conducive to a loving family, which is why my book is called Tough Love, because what they told me they were doing it for was tough love, you know, because I wasn't abiding as a perfect teenager. I was a teenager. I wanted attention. And when my parents didn't, you know, when they didn't want to give it to me, it was like, okay, so if I want attention, there's, <laughs> if I want someone to care about me, there's something wrong with that. Somebody has a problem caring for me. And <clears throat> I can't lie. It took a journey for me to realize I didn't care if they thought I was worthy of loving, being loved or not. I knew I was. So when I stopped looking for their validation, I grew. But I struggled for a very, you know, those few years wondering why, you know. I couldn't understand why I wasn't born in one of those perfect families where the kids get to come home at Christmas and mom and dad are hugging and there's a college fund somewhere. Like, why couldn't I have that? Like, I... You know, and it's not that I didn't have great, I had great grandparents. I will say that uh, there's parts of my life that are phenomenal because of that. But my mom, the one who I was really raised with when I, between birth and 14 years old, uh, she was very selfish. I was molested by five different men between the ages of four and seven years old. I was sexually assaulted by uh, three different men in my teenage years. All of them were supposed to take care of me. All of them were people who were supposed to be looking out for me. So my definition of love as a youth was very warped and are just not properly laid in that good foundation. So 
you know, just to, to be truthful, it, like I said, it's been a journey to really realize, like I posted recently, there's no prerequisite to being worthy. You're born being worthy. Whether people give it to you or not is a reflection of them, not you. And it just took me so long. And I mean, I remember being in one of the Kaiser ICU waiting rooms and I did steal no dose from a local convenience store, which is the medicine that keeps you up. And I did take the whole box. And the next morning I woke up coughing and dry heaving and I was still alive. And I was like, okay, God must not want me to die yet. You know, there's a reason I'm still here. And thank goodness I didn't tell myself I didn't take enough and go steal some more no-dose. I just took it as a sign that I'm not ready to go yet. And so I, I fought to get off the streets then. And like I said, it's been a journey and I've fallen along the way, you know, but I have definitely mastered the art of getting back up. And even recently, like I had a conversation with my oldest daughter, who's 21. And I was telling her, look, we're all a little bit depressed at times and in life because life is hard. Life is challenging. I do not sell the Disney tale to my kids. I let them know now Life is going to be challenged. And as a mom for me, especially when they were children, because I was diagnosed with the cancer and I was fighting it, I really wanted them to be resourceful people. You know, I want them to be people who know how to go out there and get a job. I, I want my children to grow up and know what it is to be hungry for life, not just money, but for life. And I think that everything that I've gone through, you know, and one thing I am proud of when people, when people ask me, what am I most proud of? It's not the money I've made. It's not the, the books I've written or the places I've gone. It is honestly the type of mother that I am because I am the type of mom I wish I had. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. I do refer to myself as Walmart mom from time to time. I, you know, go a little, get in line. But I am, you know, I'm, I'm, my kids know I'll be, I'll be there for them. I will not ever turn my back on my kids, you know. So tragedy kind of makes us, I think the, the, you know, tragedy that happens in your youth, you still see the outcome and how that affects you, especially when you become a parent you know yeah i've got so like there's loads of different questions in different directions going through my mind so like this is going to bounce around in different in different ways that i'm sure you don't mind but first the first thing that that stood out to me is you said um that you're trying to instill in your kids to be hungry for life what do you mean by that there's especially with my children when you if you in today's world we try to give our kids a lot right so kids have ipads as you mentioned younger and if you come from any sort of you know affluence and you're taking them to great places that's cool but i want them to appreciate life i just don't want them chasing what everyone else chases grow up go to college get a job work for someone else i want them to be hungry for experiences that go beyond that so i take them to feed the homeless and you know and then I do take them to places and museums there was a the broad museum no the the um, excuse me there's a, the Mauricio Foundation Museum here in LA they have a beautiful display it's this huge bamboo installation and in it they have what are Chinese gods and then refugees and it is it's such an honor to take them and have the conversation with them about people lives what people go through, how people have to get in a raft to go to a country and flee their home and everything they know to look for a better life. And I want my kids to understand that they are, you know, and, and that it can change. Like I always tell them it can change. You, you, you know, if you have a comfortable life now, someone can get in a car accident. I've seen families be economically ruined because the, 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 you know, something happens, right? Like, you know what I mean? I, and I mean, 
it's important to just remember and keep perspective that you should be hungry for life, not things, not things. I mean, things are cool, but be hungry for life because when we go, that's it. It's the final scene. <laughs> no more, no more opportunity, you know, no more editing, no more cuts to get it right. That's so. exactly. No, you're, you're completely right. Now I love that you put it that way. Cause it's, it's, it's realizing that you, you want experience because that's the only thing that matters in the end, like how you feel just yourself, yeah. like the, the emotions that you felt whilst you were alive and the emotions you made other people feel. And that's the only thing that matters really, because that's what people remember. And that's what you're going to remember at the end of your life. You're not going to think, I'm so glad I made 150 million. Like it's the experiences that you got as a result of that and the journey that you went on getting that. Exactly. It's not the actual money in the bank. Like you're not going to go to the bank and smile. Like that's not what you're going to care about. So the other thing. But what's I, ironic to uh, the money thing though, the way, well, I got to just say this because yeah. to pick up, to, to piggyback you, the thing about the money is you can go and look in the bank and see how much money you have though. You can't look in a bank and see how much time you have. So which one truly has more value to you, you know? Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Thanks for, thanks for saying that because that's, that's one of the reasons why I think people waste so much time. And I do this all the time still. Like, I, you know, I, I catch myself being busy and not productive and right. like, it's I'm, I'm trying to work on it because I know I'm wasting time, but I'm just trying to figure out like, how do I best use my time? Because it's this thing that's falling away every day, like every second, every hour is going, mm -hmm. but because mm -hmm. we can't measure it, like there's no end date. We don't know what right. there is, but we don't know what it is. So that, that we can't really measure it in real time. And so that's why we just think, Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Or, you know, we get this sense of like laziness. And I yes. think, you know, and, and you can tell me if this is what you find is right amongst yourself and like the people that you know is the most successful people are the ones that have urgency. Like they feel like they're going to die every day, which technically you yes. are like you're one day closer to that date. So yes. it's, they're the ones that because they're feeling that way, they're taking the action that's 10 X other people. Exactly. That's exactly that. That's, I mean, that, that could not be more true. And I always tell my husband that I say, I feel that urgency and it's not like I feel I'm going to die tomorrow, like you said, but I just know I could, I was, you know, I remind people, the person who died in a car accident today, he didn't get up thinking he was going to die today. So we just have that. I, I know I have that urgency and no minute of my day is not filled with something. It's especially since we had the baby, like at least, you know, I'm like every single minute of my day is taken up for something and I love it. Um, it's overwhelming at times, but I do love that it keeps that pressure on me because otherwise we we can find ourselves just chilling back a little bit and saying oh you know well it'll wait but it's you know like i like people even laugh at me now when i say well i have a deadline they're like well who's giving you a deadline you don't have you know you're self-published i'm like i'm giving myself a deadline i don't need someone else to come and tell me that i need to write this book i know i need to write the book so you know, get it done, <laughs> get it done. And the other thing too, that I always tell my husband, even in life is a closed mouth doesn't get fed. If you don't go out there and try and find ways to grow and be, be ever become whatever it is that you're trying to become, then it's, you're just going to fight so much harder to get it done. And so, I mean, collaboration is everything and being able to come and share my story with you is something that I always appreciate and I'm grateful for. So thank you, by the way, <laughs> just yeah. throwing that in there to you. <laughs> no, I'm glad that we got a chance to cross paths because I think your energy is amazing. So I'm glad that I've got a platform where you can share your voice, you know? So like, no, it's amazing. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you actually as well, you mentioned like all the stuff that happened to you in your, like between four and seven and then your teenage years as well. I'm curious from someone who's gone through that, how does that then affect 
the way that are you like scared to get into a relationship then because then you're thinking like what if this guy's the same as the other guys like how can you openly become comfortable with letting someone in that intimately if that makes sense like what's the mental mental process or the thought process just for those who are maybe maybe have gone through something similar they're struggling or they know someone who has like you've obviously done it and done it successfully because you've got four healthy children that have come out of it so how have you dealt with that well i mean in general the way that i take a relationship is i i have learned to keep my control i you know i mean i'm not dating now obviously i got remarried but uh i shared that in my in my character's story within my book because that is truly how it was i had to um take control and i didn't you know i mean to speak candidly i just didn't give it up i didn't give it up so randomly to people i made sure i qualified a person i wanted to maybe spend a certain amount of time with or even date and i won't lie i actually never i never had a lot of sexual partners once i grew up and i had uh, three boyfriends in my life and uh, two of them became my husband. So, you know, it wasn't like I, um, but you know, to it, it, I, every person who goes through that, I will share with you is it is critical to find someone that has been through it, to talk about it and to process it and become aware that you're not at fault. I did learn I was not at fault. Again, coming to the understanding that how people behave, it wasn't that it was right, of course not, but it was a reflection of their problems and their personality. I will say it made me very uh, less trusting to some degree, especially with my children. I mean, if anything, I will say, it affected me less in my dating life is more and more in my children rearing because I had my kids, you know, I had my oldest daughter when she was a teenager, she said, can I go spend the night at so-and-so's house? And I would say, no, I don't know if there's a man in the home and I don't know him. Uh, no. And she, uh, in that, in one particular case, she said, oh, mom, you're just being, you know, well, I got to tell you, the guy ended up being, uh, going to prison for molesting what was her best friend since she was seven years old. They were in middle school by the time I found out and reported it to the police. And he and the mother went to prison because the mother knew. But these are the things that happened that I was protecting my kids from. And so my daughter came back going, whoa, you were actually right. And I, you know, I mean, I also like to think that I'm a good energy person. I've picked up on on people's, personalities i'm an observer i'm very i've gotten very very good at observing just as an fyi so you know um i mean that helps <laughs> so no that's 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 crazy because like you know who wouldn't who would well i guess you said like you, you know you're good at observing so you, you may have had a, a gut feeling about the, about the guy so i mean like but like so when you come to that critical junction of like do I want to go forward with this guy or not? Not even in an intimate way, but I mean like, you know, secure a life with this person and move on to the next chapter and, and build a family. How do you know? Like, what's the feeling that you get that, that you think, oh, I trust this person? Is it like a feeling? Is it a thought process? Is it like, you know, just if you shed some light on that? I mean, for me, I think I look at the family and I look at the person, how they behave. And, you know, it's, it's important to, uh, it is, it is more of a gut, but I will say that, you know, I'm fortunate. My husband, he, he was very open and the compa- compatibility was there. I learned, you know, when it comes, like you said, I mean, it's just it's compatibility. How do they behave? And they're, I mean, for, for predators and people like that, there's signs that they have, you know, and um, to, there are signs whether we recognize them or not. 
but I, you know, I can only say that I, I did get really lucky. I mean, I, my, my husband now was the second guy I went on a date with after my divorce. And, and he, I just was, Oh, I was very honest though. That, that I will say that I was very honest. I didn't go. I wasn't one of those chicks who showed up for the date talking about, I like long walks under the moonlight and I don't, Oh, I'm going to order a salad. I was like, no, no, bring a hamburger, bring some extra fries, please. No, I mean, I say that jokingly, but honestly, you have to be yourself and you have to expect that the other person, I even told him, don't tell me some lie. Don't tell me things, you know, and the other thing is I didn't, I did date him for a long time where, you know, I recognize that you don't, when you start dating, you might agree with this. You only find out about someone about maybe six months after you start dating, maybe then you're really starting to scratch the surface of who they really are and not who they're pretending to be just because you're in a relationship. I waited. I gave it that time. He didn't even meet my kids until about nine months after we started dating. So I took my time. You know, that is probably the one thing that I can encourage people. Take your time. Don't be rushed. You know, get to know someone. And that's probably why I was successful in that. I mean, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I'm glad that you shared some light on that because I'm sure it's going to help someone who feels like uh, under stress of like having to make a decision or someone that doesn't really know how to move forward to the next step. Like there's some hope there that you can find the right person. It's just about having the courage to, to, you know, be open to find the right person and then to just take the time to, you know, feel out what that person is going to be like and whether they're compatible. Exactly. I'm going to actually grab my charger, by the way, just in case, but I got to say something to that. Yeah, it no, is imperative that people never give up on the opportunity to love again. I don't, I, I, no matter what pain you've been through in your life, it is possible to overcome it. It is possible to love again. It is definitely possible to heal and love again. And I think that people need to be reminded of that. And that's, that's probably the best, you know, the biggest piece of advice I would say, like you said, it, it does take courage. It's not easy to, to love, you know, on my past marriage, I was, um, I was cheated on, you know, I was hit. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't the best marriage. And some people are like, well, then you went and got married again. I said, but here's the thing I had learned. <laughs> I took that time. And I spent enough time with this person where I said, I'm hopefully not making the same, you know, mistakes I, I made in the past. And I, I don't think that I did. One second, I'm going to switch something, okay? Is yeah, go okay? on, go for it. Carry on, yeah, yeah, go on, go on. Just because, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Because, um, because yeah, the battery was about to die. Okay. That's what, but your voice is a little bit quieter though. So. I know, I know, because um, the thing won't let me charge and play at the same time. So. Oh, okay. I apologize for my technical difficulties. <laughs> so bad. No, but this yeah, is yeah. No, the the battery was getting low. And iPhone, iPhone. I don't like how iPhone did the plug, and I don't have I yeah, yeah, either I one or the other. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had that they're, issue. Well. They're not too nice. <laughs> so, have you got Have you got enough battery to carry on though? No. Uh, let me see. I'm at seven percent. So it's either I figure out how to get the speaker on this, or because I don't know why it was so low. It shouldn't have been. Okay. But uh, but yeah, it has seven percent. That's fine. So you know what that means, right? <laughs> that just means we're going to end up having to do a number two. <laughs> no, that's fine. You can take the headphones out. You can take the headphones out. That's fine. Just, okay. just speak. Just just be mindful. You got to speak a little bit louder. That's it. That's fine. Yeah. It's funny because it's not giving me like a, uh, uh, um, 
a speaker. Hold on, whoops. I'm looking for a speakerphone on here. I apologize. That's fine. Okay, are you there? Yep. Is that better? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, so, yeah. Um, what were you gonna ask me? Uh, yeah, so I was just saying about, uh, I can't even remember where we were now, but yeah, so, I mean, there's so much stuff to talk about, but um, I just wanted to get into, no, that's fine. I wanted to get into like where, when the, the cancer started, like what age, what age was that? Where was it like, and you know, what was that day like when you first got diagnosed? Like what was, what, what was it like leading up to it? I was 32 years old. Oh, hold on one second. And I, um, okay. I was 32 years old. I had just had my third child about uh, eight months before and it was devastating. It's not something, you know, when you, well, it was devastating. And then like a true person who just thought, okay, I've been through everything. I remember that my doctor tried to hand me a prescription for an antidepressant. And I looked at her and I said, I don't need that. I mean, I'm gonna, this sucks, but I'm gonna get through it. You know, I'm a strong character. <laughs> a year later, I was back asking for that prescription again, <laughs> because, you know, I isolated myself and I took it on as something that, uh, once again, I will say, I probably thought I blamed my body. I blamed myself. I was mad at my body. And especially with the recurrence, because I went through it and then I was in remission for three years. And then I got the call that it had come back. So that's frustrating because you're like, well, wait a minute, you know, I, I fought so hard and now it's back, you know, it's, 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 you know, it, but it, it is that slap in the face that really wakes you up. It's that, um, it's that, it's that feeling of immortality. I I'm sure you can relate and uncertainty that really is the fear that a lot of cancer people can't people who hear that word cancer in their own life. And that's why even obviously I'm sure, you know, people who thought they might have cancer. If you get to go through the process of even thinking, Oh, I'm having this test. They don't know what it is. It could be cancer, but we don't know. And then you have to sit there for a couple of days and wait for biopsy results to come back. That is torture for a person, especially if you've never had cancer and you wonder, and then you get the call that you don't have cancer. And it's like, Oh my gosh, thank God. Because nobody wants to take on that challenge, and I don't blame them. You shouldn't want to take on cancer. If somebody wants cancer, there's a problem with you, you know, check into a therapist. But it, it, it's like, you know, and I don't need to be less emotional. You know, most often when I talk about my cancer diagnosis, you know, I do get choked up. And I become very uh, emotional and sensitive more because I think about the people that have gone and the people that have inspired me. My two best friends are both stage four cancer fighters, meaning they will not ever not have cancer. You know, they fight for their lives, but most, most, more importantly, they are such bad ass miracles because both of them a long time ago, technically should have been gone because of cancer. So there's a line that I wrote in my book, Napoleon, and it was like, I never really noticed it until now, but I am a beautiful effing miracle. And I, I do say it whole in the book, you know, <laughs> but that because I had to it, it it is so true we are all beautiful miracles but we don't take even you know we just don't see it most people look in the mirror and they don't see I'm a miracle they see what's wrong my nose isn't right my eyes are too small my hair is too curly but 
we're beautiful freaking miracles. And if we don't learn to acknowledge that, I think that's where we stumble in having that self-love and having the success that we want to have, you know? So like you said too earlier, you talked about that. Like you, if you can't see yourself successful, then how do you even know what you're aiming for? You know, I see myself on a stage. I know you see yourself on a stage. We see ourselves helping others. We see ourselves giving messages that have a positive impact on this world. And, you know, that's what drives me. I'm sure you can relate to what, you know, in driving you. So, you know, I mean, the, the word cancer, usually people think that dream died. It didn't die for me. If anything, I just fought harder for my dream once I realized, you know, and that was, and again, going back to community, I, what changed when people say, well, what changed your fight? What made you become stronger? What made you more of a warrior? It was somebody else literally coming and telling you, you better get your butt out of that hospital bed and you better fight for those three kids that you have and stop being a wuss. <laughs> no joke. That's what they said. And, and, uh, and, you know, you kind of have that aha moment of like, yes, I, I do want to live. And you know what? I went home after, after that visit in the hospital, because I was in the hospital, I went home and I put it on a post-it note. I want to live. I want to breathe. I want to love. I want to hug my kids. And I put it on a post-it note and that thing went in my house everywhere. On my mirror, it went on my fridge. It went, you know, on the medicine cabinet that I had to go get my chemo medicine from. It was there to constantly remind me, what do you want, Alia? I want to live. And I want to live life to the best of my ability. So, you know, that's, I, that's what cancer did to me. So I know some people don't always have that reaction, but for me, that's what really, you know, it was like. This conversation, yeah, sorry, sorry to, just, to just pause it there for a second. This conversation is too good that I don't want anyone to miss it. So if your battery has gone up a little bit, if you could put your headphones back in, it's going to make it so much better just for the recording. Okay, sorry. I just don't want people to miss what you're saying because it's gold. I know, and it's at 6%. I'm dying. <laughs> And it's an airplane mode. It's because we're doing the Wi-Fi thing. That's what happened. It was full. I promise you it was full. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish I even had like an adapter to just take it in and do both. But I don't. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and go with this. Okay, there we go. Sorry. I apologize so much. I've never actually had this happen on any of my podcasts. I no, that's fine. We'll, just want we, you to know. No, that's completely <laughs> fine. So we, we will go through as much as we can and then definitely part two. But yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. So, so like, do you think that was the main reason that got you through it? Because I guess where people can, can fall down is not having a reason to come to the end, not having a vision of what they want to look like, like, you know, pulling through. I think one of the things that helped me, I'll just quickly throw this in there whilst we're on this topic is, I, I was one of the first people to, to do, well, not first, but I was like, if I had graduated, I would have been the first one to graduate in my family in law because there's so many other people that done it and they'd failed and they'd just dropped out or it's too difficult, whatever. And I, like my parents wanted to see me through, like they, they thought it was difficult because they had all their friends and family saying how difficult it was and that, you know, you know, tell your son to just be careful. There's a lot of reading, there's a lot of difficult tests involved, a lot of memory and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, look, I've made a decision. I'm going to do it. Uh, it's done. It's done. Like I'm going to be the first one, whether I practice it thereafter or not, that's a, that's like chat, later on chapters that come in, come in the story. But I mean, that was what pulled me through, even through the illness and stuff. And there was a slight moment where I thought, 
I'm going to quit. Like, this is too much. I can't do it. Like, I can't sit straight. I can't sleep. I can't think. Like, it's just, it's your skin. It just feels like you're in fire constantly. Like, you can't run away from that. I need to right. study. So, um, but then I, you know, I just thought, like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go through it. And I did. So was that the same for you? Do you think that you got through all that hardship because you had a reason to? You know what? It, it is. It boils down to um, another line. And I'm, I know I refer to my, my book a lot, but I mean this genuinely because it's, it's, it's all inspired from exactly what we're talking about. There's a line and it is the strongest of us refuse to perish, right? The reason I say this comment is let's look at the Holocaust. I once knew a woman who told me a story, you know, that you had Holocaust survivors. You had Holocaust um, survivors and you had ones that did not, right? There are people who did not survive it. And so she was asked one time, how did you, how did you make it when there are so many people dying and so many people that barely made it? She said, there's no if, ands, or buts, or whys. It's just honestly, at the end of the day, the strongest of us refused to perish. And I think that there's times in life when you're really put into, the, you're put into these extreme circumstances. And it's easy. That, that is totally normal. Like, it's normal to say to yourself, this is a lot. I don't know if I can handle this. Am I really doing the best thing for myself? And sometimes you are, sometimes you are not. But it is natural to have those reflections. And I think, and for me, exactly what you're saying, I just knew I had to push through. I knew I saw myself on the other side. And I am fortunate enough to have that experience. On the same flip, on the flip token side of that though, there comes a survivorship guilt, especially in the case with cancer where you have had friends who die. You also kind of like, you're like, okay. So for when, I'm gonna take it all the way back to something you said at the beginning. I do feel a sense of responsibility. I had amazing friends in my world who deserve to be here. They're not here, but I am. So I, to myself, again, going even back to the story of when I was 14, there is a reason that I'm still here. So I don't take it lightly. Okay, okay, I've been given this information. I've been given this knowledge. Now what the heck am I gonna do with it? So after going through it the first time, like. Obviously, the second and third came soon after. I think within the space of a few years, you had the second and third one. Like, how do you deal with that? Because you've got the post-it notes up everywhere. Does that still help you? Are you losing faith? Like, how are you mentally processing all that? Well, I mean, you take it one day at a time. That's one thing I have to say. And looking back, I definitely remember sharing and being vulnerable at times that I would become discouraged. But that refusal to give up, that refusal to perish is definitely something that kept me going. Um, it also is why afterwards I have that survivorship responsibility that makes me say I have to do, you know, something with this. It's, it's just so, it's just in our faces every day that we only have a certain amount of time here. It, again, it's just that what are we going to do with it? And I had people, I had people... I have to share with you that I had people who struggled and who weren't always as, I don't want to say beautiful or sweet in how they handled it. You know, the, the journey, the, the bottom line is there's a journey from A to Z, right? It's, we know this, it's how are we going to make the in-between be as good as it can be? And so all I decided to focus was on that day, that issue that I had to deal with. And I still take that same approach every day because, as I mentioned before, I don't, I don't have cancer anymore for now, uh, and God willing, never again. But I have two autoimmune diseases that that battle left me with. 
one of them does not have a cure. All I do is live a life where they're trying to placate and, and deal with the symptoms and the issues. They can't treat my disease. There's no way to. So with autoimmune diseases, you're left in this kind of like, all right, my body has now officially turned on me. Because for people who don't know, what that means for me is that my autoimmune disease thinks my natural body is the enemy. And so it attacks it. And that means my organs have issues. That means I have to take medications that make one issue okay. And then they cause issues in another, you know, I mean, God forbid you take an opioid this day. The constipation is horrible. I'm not trying to gross anybody out, but like, you know, I mean, the things you have to deal with that become a side effect of trying to help one issue of your life. And a lot of us, that's pain right? Pain is something, I mean, pain has a threshold. And I had a doctor tell me, you have a very strong threshold for pain. Not only do I feel I have a strong threshold for emotional pain, but well, like, seriously, my doctor turned to my husband when I was like, getting ready to give birth. And he said, that woman right there has a strong pain tolerance, just so you know. No, yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised with everything that you've gone through. So no, that's, 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 that's amazing. Like, that's probably half the reason why you've got through and kept your spirit so high because that's the other thing i was going to ask you is like how have you kept yourself feeling like still positive and loving life like with everything that you've gone through and like you know still having two autoimmune diseases that you're dealing with day to day because i'm still alive because i'm still alive and, and every life that's lived is not always the greatest not everyone's rolling out of bed into a you know a, a bathroom with marble and, and gold faucets and things like that i know i'm trying to give a very you know luxurious view and what life can be for some people that's not my life by the I way i was gonna say that's <laughs> your life. Life. that's why you're saying it and so descriptively it's like oh, i just came out no, of I, there you know <laughs> i have porcelain in mine <laughs> but i mean like I understand that not everybody wakes up to some fabulous life, but you wake up and, you know, I'm inspired by people who struggle. Like, you know, I, we have speakers in our world that have no hands, no feet, or, you know, barely a foot, no legs. And yet they find a way to get up every day and not only inspire themselves to do something, but then turn around and inspire others. So I look at that and I just feel like, Wow, that's a high standard to set. So what standard am I going to set for the people that have joined me on my journey? Well, my, my standard is every day is another day that we have an opportunity to do something good, to do something positive, or even just take it easy for me. Like even with my kids, I'll say, you know, I know it's kind of random, but I, I have three kids. Well, I have four total. The oldest one lives on her own, but I have three at home. I have a baby and then I have two 11 and 13 year olds. Well, I spend time with just my 11-year-old. I spend time with just my 13-year-old. Then I spend time with them two together. And then I spend time with the baby alone. Like, you know what I mean? You have to, you know, what you get out of life is all determined by what you give into life, right? So with my children, I'm just constantly aware that each of them are individual individuals. I don't just lump them all together and always take them in the car and always do things with them. Um, and like in general with life, that's what I'm saying. It's what can we appreciate? What can we do? And I mean, I, I, I think Maya Angelou really did say, you know, people will, will forget the things that you say, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And so with my children and with anybody I come into contact with, I do really genuinely try to leave them walking away like, wow, I feel a little bit more inspired. I feel a little bit more hopeful. 
And, and even in sharing my story, sometimes I can't lie. I get a lot of people who are like, well, wow, okay, I, I don't feel so bad now. My life is not looking as, as desolate. And I'm like, well, good, because it's not. You have breath in your body. And that right there to me is a reason to fight every day. So it just you comes know? back to, would you say it just comes back to gratitude, having a lot mm. of gratitude every single day? Yeah. Oh yeah. I had two years ago, you know, I think, I think if anything, I get a kick out of living, my, you know, for people like us, people, when we do those bucket list things, it's amazing. I mean, I have ziplined in Costa Rica. I've sat on a beach in Ibiza and I've stood in the Prince Royal Albert Hall that's going to be written in my next novel. Those moments have made me cry because I'm like, oh my God, this is it. I'm living. I'm living. And so many people don't do that. And, and, you know, and I think that a lot of it even goes back to what we talked about earlier. What standard is society setting for us? What's really, really important? Well, to me, living is important. It doesn't mean, you know, I, I joke, I'm in my yoga pants and my hair bun most often because I'm not focused on going and getting my hair and nails done every day. I know I live in LA and I know a lot of women with their glam squads that come over and do their makeup and their hair. I did my own makeup and I did my own hair and I embrace it and I'm bold and I don't care if somebody doesn't like it, don't look. You know what I mean? We all have the opportunity. And I say this genuinely. I've taken toxic medicine. I've taken medicine that can kill you. I don't take toxic relationships. That's also like where I draw the line. I welcome people into my world. But if I sense there's a toxicity, like we talked about earlier, what are we giving? What are we surrounding ourselves? Well, then, you know, I will graciously say, okay, well, you can be at arm's distance because I am not going to accept that in my life, you know? What's, so, what's, what's, one, what's one thing that... Um, people don't really know about having cancer or going through that sort of situation unless they've gone through it that you feel that they should know? One thing that they can't know, I mean, until you've, until you've taken the medicine, you can't know. It, it's true that people can have empathy and I so respect the empathy that people can feel. For anyone, I mean, no differently, I can't, to somebody who has gone through a kidney transplant or something, you know, that I can't relate specifically to that and I respect and understand that. So with cancer, you know, there's, there's two things that I would say to that. The first thing is you, you can't know how strong you are until you actually really have to be strong enough to take that stuff and to feel it go through your bones and to in your body and your blood and say, I get through this because when you're at that low point, when you're, you know, I'm not trying to be graphic, but when you're puking into a toilet or you're, <laughs> when you're washing your hair and it starts to come out in clumps, especially as a woman, that's hard. And it's so hard to remember that you can get through it. That just because you're going through that really ugly, awful, hard part, that you can get through it. And that a day can come where it will all be a memory. And it'll be something that you went through and not something that you're going through. So, I mean, I think that that's something you definitely can't know until you get through it. Thanks for making me cry. <laughs> That was my goal. No, I'm joking. No, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you shared that because it's going to, it's going to, you know, people really, really feel that because when you're going through, like I, I can relate, not, not to that extent, but in my own way with what I went through is I didn't know when, when, when is that day though, that it turns into memory. You don't know if I knew then it'd be easy. Cause it's like, ah, right. just stick it out for another week and I'm done. You, but exactly. it's like, I had to, st and you know, you can tell me how long it was for you 
for each of the years that you went through. But I was told, oh yeah, you, you'll get better when we don't, we don't really know. And then every day I said to myself, it will get better, it will get better. And then now I look back, I had to say that to myself for six years. That's mm-hmm. a long six years every day and i in my head i'm thinking next month next month next month mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. because you keep tricking yourself into thinking just one more month one keep just keep doing it. six years have gone by and now i haven't 100 percent recovered but a lot more than that where i was and it's keeping that mental that mental game going like you have to have some sort of goal like a reason you're yeah. going through it. and something that i think bob proctor said in a video he was saying like a lot of he was like what's retirement like a lot everyone dies when they retire like because you people in retirement don't set goals they don't have anything to do that's why they die that's why he said i'm 80 and i'm still going like i have the energy of a 20 year old because i've still got goals i still want to make money i still want to inspire people around the world hold bigger and better events like and help people raise their level of understanding he's still learning every day like reading and learning and he's when you see yeah exactly when you see him he's so excited like a little kid yeah. And I think having that attitude is what gets you through it. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know how, you know, what your attitude you said, was at that time. Yeah. And you said a second part that's very, very key and relevant to it is that, yes, that's the second thing you cannot know until you go through cancer. When I first got cancer, I thought, okay, you get it and you either go through treatment and it's done or you don't get to get treatment or you get treatment and it kills you and you die. I thought that those were, you know, I didn't realize until I, yes, like you went through several years of treatment and waiting and, you know, markers that come back that say, I've still got a little bit of cancer, but not a lot, or, you know, or I'm just, you know, at certain stages with it. it it's with something that I didn't, you know, and even in my friends' lives, I have a, one, my, one of my best friends, the two best friends that I mentioned, they've both been fighting cancer well over 10 years. You know, one of them, 16 years, 16 years she's been fighting with it. And, you know, but like we, we focus on, we wake up every day and still not a ghost. I have a very, very wonderful, amazing, another stage four friend. She's such a badass. And she even went and got married. She has a terminal diet. She doesn't care. She went and had mar- got married. She went to Paris. She travels the world as best as she can in between, you know, emergency room, hospital visits and stuff. But she doesn't allow the illness to stop her from trying to live life. And like you said, so the second part is I always encourage people make those goals. Plan for a trip. Plan to go somewhere. Plan to do something. And then when that one's done, yes, plan for something else because it is healthy for you to always have things to go through, which is why I say my bucket list. My bucket list is just my lifestyle of how I live. Really, I live my life like I'm on a bucket list. Everything I look to do. And, you know, even with the one positive of even writing this book and kind of infusing uh, my platform, you know, with my platform growth part of the Instagram, what has been cool is whereas some people can say that you're a little too caught up in getting pictures everywhere and oh for the gram right for the gram everything is for the gram but there is something that i do admire and i do enjoy <laughs> looking to capture cool moments i'm not really the bathroom selfie girl and i really don't like to do too many in the car if i am going to do a picture i want it to be something cool i want it to be entertaining and i kind of want to capture this cool moment in time so it if you use it right i think it's a very positive thing But if you're just doing it, like if you're just going out there and it's just, you know, just for numbers and likes and this, that, and the other, I always say the number at the top of our page is so not indicative of what we're doing in life, right? I mean, that's not a gauge of my true popularity. It's not a gauge of my success. And it's certainly not a gauge of my impact on the world. So 
And I do get to say that, you know, and so many other people should too. And, and you know, I, I think it's great when we get to grow. I don't know if you know this, I just got penalized speaking of Instagram, nothing against Instagram. They just penalized me for being too social. And I can't like anybody's photos for the next 24 hours. I've had that as well. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I wait, all I did was be social. I didn't buy, I didn't do anything, but you know, in their eyes, if I'm doing too much. So it's, you know, but all I, I can say that looking for moments that make life worth living has, is, is part of my lifestyle, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that anyone who's gone through certain challenges and not everybody has to go through all the challenges that I have in life, I don't want them to have, but I do see people that kind of go through and, you know, you may relate to this and it's never to be critical or judgmental. It's never like that. But I know people who, who they have not really faced some obstacles that they're going to truly face in life. For example, my, even one of my children, she's 11 and she would come home and say, I'm, I had a bad day. I'm like, okay, I know to some extent you had a bad day, but baby, there's children in Syria dying. Like there's, there's houses being blown up. There's people on the street. We can easily go into LA and see people. I'm like, there's a bad day. And then there's like a really bad day. And I want my family to understand that significant difference so that you're stronger. So that when something comes along and knocks you out, you're not like really floored because that's really ultimately what it comes down to. People have always said, how could you be in an abusive relationship, Alia? You're so strong. Well, guess what? That was actually the problem. I'm so strong. When I got knocked down, I got back up. I'm not a quitter. I'm a fighter. That's what I told myself, right? So to some degree, it's a positive, but it can also lead people like me down a path where you stay, you know, you, if you don't learn to identify when is the time to get out, when is the time to look at the situation and say, I really should cut my ties. I should really move on from this. When is that time? Well, it, the time is when it doesn't serve you as a person. When it makes you question who you are and what your worth is in this life, then that's probably the moment you, you know, you ask for the check and <laughs> get out. So, yeah, no, I love that. So, I mean, like, did you, did you have to consider any other like medication and stuff like that? Or was it just chemotherapy? Like, what was it? Did you like look to alternative medications? Like what, what was the oh, yeah. research on that side? Yeah. I mean, I did, and I did immunotherapy, which is, I actually did pill chemotherapy and I did immunotherapy and surgical uh, to address my cancers. What I also did is I eat, I eat as healthy as I can. Now that's not to say that I don't go out and have a nice dinner and some wine and all that. I mean, I, I can, I love comfort food, but I have learned to feed my body things that help, that help me and hopefully help me be stronger. And um, I, and, you know, I am a cannabis advocate. I never used cannabis until I had cancer. Um, I had friends who, when I was younger, they'd be like, oh, you know, we're, we're smoking a, a joint here. You should smoke some. And I'm like, nah. And they're like, oh, don't be such a party pooper. And I was like, ah, you can call me that all day long. I really don't care because, you know, but what I what I found when it came to having cancer is that you'll do almost anything. So wait, before the cannabis though, I do have to admit this. I tried a Chinese herb that smelled like somebody died in my kitchen, but I would drink it with honey and lemon because it was a Chinese herb that was rumored to reduce tumors. And I held my nose and drank it by the gallon because of course I was willing to do anything that was going to help me get rid of this horrible disease that I was scared was going to take me out. So I was like, no, I will do it. And I went to a Chinese uh, herbal specialist. And so they gave me that. And then cannabis came into play because I did have a lot of, um, uh, I had problems holding down food. Like I couldn't eat more than a handful of food without being in excruciating pain or throwing up or whatever. So 
somebody said you should try cannabis and it was a doctor and I tried it and I use an oil and I use the CBD oil for um, pain. And, you know, I, I do use those with other medicines that my doctors give me, but I will, I think when it comes down to it, you'll try anything that will help your body. So to me, it's been, what am I putting into my body? What am I putting onto my body? And, you know, and, and what am I doing to also like relieve it of stress? So working out and taking care of myself became of the utmost importance. And that's even why I wanted to, I mean, like sleep is one of the, probably the best medicine that you can prescribe anybody, by the way, you know, rest and sleep. Not that I get much of it with my two-year-old now, but rest and sleep is such an undervalued medicine that, and uh, funny enough, laughter to me. Those are the, I went, I like, I literally got out of a hospital and went to a comedy joint. I was like, I got to hear some jokes. I have to hear somebody make me laugh. I cannot, because when you focus on stuff, because that, no, I mean, genuinely, right? When you focus on something, you, you give yourself more anxiety, but we're, you can't do it. You know, when you're sick with something, exactly. It's not like it's going to be fixed tomorrow. So why are you stressing yourself about it? All you can do is focus on how your, what solutions you have and what things can make your situation better. And for me, that's what I chose to focus on instead of worrying, is this going to take me out? I had someone ask me one time that when they found out I had cancer, he said, so does this mean you're going to die? And just the question and the way that he asked it, I was like, well, actually, I am going to die, but not today, sir. Not today. (laughs) See, with all of that being said, everyone's going to die. Like as morbid as it sounds, it's just like, I just, I'm so used to just saying that now. It's just like, when he asked you that, uh, just like, so are you. <laughs> like, right. it's just, it's just, that was why it was like, right. I'm like, uh, yeah, but guess what? So yeah, that, that's, that, that's what we all have in common. But it's just, I, I think everyone starts to live like their bucket list. And I've heard stories of this is like when they find out that they've got only a certain amount of time left and, you know, they're scared. And it's just like, why do we have to wait till then till mm-hmm. re- to really get woken up to think that now I should start living? But what were you doing up to that point then? Like, why weren't you having fun up to that point? What happened? So, well, I mean, I think, yeah, I think though, to, to, to one thing, I know you're not asking me specifically because you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you and I know both now, but I'm saying like, I think, don't you agree? Or do you not feel that that's part of society? Again, what are our families from your, your, you know, death is something that you don't talk about with your kids because then it's sad. Of course, it's kind of, you know, you, no child wants to start thinking about their parents dying or anything like that. But um, we don't prepare we just kind of pretend, oh, you're going to grow up, you're going to get married, you're going to have kids, you're going to go do this. And, and you make those plans, which I understand, but then you never, you never teach, we don't teach anyone to be cognizant of the fact that, well, God willing, this hopefully happens, but you know, there are those eternal things that happen or those things that occur that we have no control over. And we just don't prepare for those in life, right? I mean, I would just say in general, would you not agree society is just not walking around yeah 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 yeah. because because what's whatever's happening in the culture is what's going to happen to everyone and yeah oh no no we're we're infallible we're that's come on you're kidding me yeah that's the thing and there's one quote that's quite funny but very serious at the same time and and i think it was bob proctor who's he he was quoting someone else and i wrote it down straight away and he said that like if um if everyone is thinking alike somebody isn't thinking and to me like that it's just when I stopped after graduating and I thought, okay, hang on, where do I want to go in life? What do I want to do? I started to, on, when I started looking, <clears throat> basically uh, going down a path of self-discovery, figuring out stuff for myself. And the more questions I asked, the more I realized I didn't know. The more I realized I didn't know, the more I realized there's more information out there. 
And mm. it's, it's, it's with everything, as you said, education, healthcare, um, the way that, like where money comes from, what money is, who looks after it, how, you know, just everything. You start to uncover so many things and you realize, actually, now I'm coming from a more conscious place. I can make different decisions in my life. And so right. why shouldn't I start living my bucket list now? What is a bucket list anyway? Like, why can't it just be called life? That's experience. Like, why, why am I not integrating it now? Why do I, well, why is there, why are we waiting to a certain date for right. what? What are you waiting for? Right. How do you right. know you're going to be around at that date? So. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's very interesting to me on, on the topic of knowing your legacy and understanding that that really is what's important. If you look at history and you look at people like J.P. Morgan, Carnegie and Norman Rockwell, it's very interesting to me that historically at the end of their lives, these big, powerful men who had made a lot of money and influenced society in large, into a large degree because of their businesses and products and whatnot, they've realized towards the end of their life, all that money meant nothing if they didn't have a legacy worth leaving behind, if they didn't do something positive with it. So I think that really what we need, should be doing within our society and especially within our families is staying at the, ta at the dinner table. What is important to you in life? What is it that you want to do? And what is the mark that you want to leave? And I, I feel like if we do that more and cause people to ask questions to ourselves, then maybe the actions we take in life might be a little bit more surrounded that as opposed to, you know, just those typical goals that families say, Oh, you're going to go to college. You're going to do this. You're going to, you know, do that. So, I mean, that's, that's how I'm living life. I just hope everyone else will start picking up on it. <laughs> uh, no, I love it. There's so many things, so many more things to unpack there, but like, I just want to ask you a, a couple of more questions before we get into the final few. It's just like, do, do, is there anything else that you've got on your bucket list now that you're hoping to, to do? What else I mean, I, heck yeah. I still have to go to Machu Picchu. I just, one of my, one of my, as I mentioned, my friend who travels, he just went to Angkor in, uh, in Kuala Lumpur and then he were in Cambodia rather, excuse me. He was in Cambodia and then went to Kuala Lumpur. I, and he was in Vietnam and all I could do is sit there and be jealous. I mean, if I'm still jealous of something, not in a mean way, but in like a good way, I'm like, okay, that's it. I, I, there's so much. And I, and not just like, I mean, I love traveling because I'm a history like fanatic and I often go to places and wonder what the experiences were during those time frames and blah, 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 you know, but also the experience to connect with other people and other cultures and find out, you know, the thing. And, and again, as I've said, life is not always pretty. And to know that there are, you know, when I was 18, when I, when I was 18, after I got out of trouble and I started getting myself together, I did go down into Mexico and volunteer at orphanages. And I, I mean, cancer was one level of understanding and, and enlightenment in my life. But I think even just what I went through when I was younger, always, even in my twenties, I looked for ways to help others where I could. And, you know, to me, giving back and being able to go out there in society and even connect with somebody of a different culture is, a, is, is something very special and very powerful. So, you know, like I said, when I went to London, even, even there, there's so much diversity and so many people and so many things to appreciate. It's not just one thing. It's not just the Buckingham Palace, you know, though it's quite grand. <laughs> but, you know, so, so for me, the, the bucket list is every day. There's still so much that I hope to be able to do. I think that it's exciting that as part of writing the books and also my husband's involvement with film, that we get to be part of that. And all I can say is where some people might say, oh, she's bragging. I say, no, 
I am humbly appreciative of every single thing that I have in my life, whether it's breath in my body or the ability to fly over to any place in this world. You know, to me, it's a privilege and it's an honor and not something I take for granted at all. Yeah, most definitely. I think it's when you're, when you're grateful for the smaller things in life as well, like, as you said, just having breath in your body, that's when you really start to put life into perspective and, and live it from a more graceful place and you're not always looking at people being jealous or you know hating on them whatever it is because you're coming from a place of love you're like you know what I'm, I'm glad that I got to live another day and if that's if they're living their life in that way then fine I'm happy for them you know I'm, I'm yeah. just glad that I got to wake up and walk to, I can still talk I yeah. can still see I can still smell like all the basic stuff gets put into perspective which that was one of the major things that happened for me when I, when I went through that. It's just, I couldn't do something as basic as just turn my neck like this. And I was just like, wow, like now that I can do that without feeling any pain. That's amazing. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. So yeah. Which brings me to something really quick that I have to say, cause I didn't, you know, you asked me what was some of the things that happened. So after my third recurrence, I have a best friend of over 20 years. She's like my sister and she's actually my adopted sister. And she had, she'd never been sick a day in her life. Okay. I'd always been the one with health problems. She woke up and had a brain injury that literally took her from a whole completely functioning person to she had to relearn how to smile, talk, eat, walk, drive, every single thing. And she was in she was in a coma for over a month. She was in ICU for several months. Then she went, you know, it was in stages. It's not like it wasn't like a soap soap opera, excuse me, where she woke up and she could walk out the next day. You know, there was nothing like that going on. This was real life. So it was very, very long and arduous for her to recover. But for me as an outsider, it was incredible to understand that the brain in our body controls so much. And like you said, like she couldn't, you know, she could, she, she had to have her brain relearn all these things that we take for granted, you know? So it's, it's going, even going back when we talk about successful people and people who are making impacts, it's, you know, our journey in this world definitely is between these two ears, this brain right here inside. What do, it's so powerful. It's a computer. It's the best Mac. It's the best PC. It's whatever your, whatever your favorite is. It is the best thing that we have. And all I can say is I encourage other people to program it with good programs, to, you know, give it life and to understand that, you know, even with my body, I do a lot of visualization. I see healthy cells being stronger in my body. When I had cancer, I saw those healthy cells attacking the cancer. Like literally in my head, it was like a little cartoon. I'm like, I'm seeing them beat up the cancer cells, but I don't have cancer today. Now I'm not saying that that cured me, but I'm saying it didn't hurt, right? Like, so, you know, all the things that our body are capable of doing that we don't even tap into, we should be paying attention to that because the brain is such a powerful thing. Yeah, hundred percent. And there's actually a doctor. I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Bruce Lipton. Yes. Um, he yes. Yeah, yeah. So he talks about that a lot, and like the power of belief and programming and everything up to the age of seven is what we basically have on repeat unless we decide to consciously change it. And yes. you know, his work really resonates with me. And I, you know, I'm going to put a link to it for anyone who's interested. But I think that played probably a big role. So I'm not surprised that you, you know, you were doing that sort of stuff because. That's one of the things that I saw as well. Just like saw myself with healthy, healthier skin, a healthier body, and just coming out on the other side. Basically, you have to have something like a vision that pulls you, and it's the same for mm -hmm. success, I guess. Like you have to mm -hmm. have some something that you're excited about every day that you're working towards. Because when that imagination stops, that's like you've killed your inner child. You've killed that that 
that spirit basically that fire like there's nothing yeah. to work towards and so that that's when you basically become dead that your soul is not excited anymore there's nothing to work towards and for some people that's different for some people they put that into their parenting or they put that into their work but like you said yes it is important and to see yourself after uh even as a woman with kids i don't you know i had my i had my 11 year old ask me and i know we're gonna go soon but she you know i will say this she asked me recently not too long ago a few months and i shared about it on my social media she said to me mom is the best thing about being a woman being a mother and i I answered her very honestly. I said, no, it's not. And being a mother is a great part of who I am and it's a great experience, but that's not the best part of being a woman. And I say that in general, in just being a person, in being a living being on this planet, the best thing is that um, things can change. The best thing is that I can get up and do something that goes bigger and better, be, better beyond myself. And that's something, and I have an imagination. I love writing books. People say, why do you write? Well, I love creating these imaginative worlds that have a purpose that I've created. I'm in control in that world. And maybe that's because I know that in my own world, I really only have so much control, right? So it's something for me that's very, very, like, it's just, I love it. I've always loved writing for that purpose and creating this magical place. It's my magical place, like snow globes, you know, everybody <laughs> like a snow globe and I've created it and it's mine. So, you know, it's, it's, it's important that people remember it's not just about being a mom. It's just not being about being a dad or even just being a CEO of a company. Truly, what is your purpose? What do you want to do? What's the impact you want to leave? And are you doing it to the best of your ability? Because if not, then I encourage them to get up and start because yeah. there's no time like today. <laughs> that, no, that's it. Exactly. You're right. So just to get into the final few questions then. So with, with everything that you've been on, the journey that you've been on so far and everything that you've learned and experienced, is there anything or any piece of advice you'd give to like the 18 year old out there who's going through something similar or who's just 18, like 18, speak to the 18 year olds, like, you know, with I your mean, an 18 year old, I, you're going to change. There's two things. First of all, you will be younger for far longer than you realize you will be. And I say that because a lot of times, like I'm 43, when I was 18, I remember being at a, an 18 year old at a club and turning to my best friend and saying, if you see me at a club in my 40s, you better tell me to get my old butt home, right? <laughs> now, I say that in, in like in spirit, in genuine, I look at myself now and I realize I am still young. You know, people think the 40s. So 18 year olds, you're going to be younger for far longer than you realize. So don't try to rush necessarily you know certain things take your time in finding out who you are what you want and ask those questions because like you said earlier sometimes for some of us especially if you come from a very traditional and conservative background like i do i didn't ask questions you weren't allowed to ask questions but you know what it's good to ask questions there's nothing wrong with learning more learning something different there's nothing wrong and i think that to any 18 year old if you open yourself up to that you're going to have a far more fantastic life full of adventure, full of meaning and full of purpose than you could have ever anticipated. So don't sell yourself short. That's what I would say to the 18 year old. No, you're definitely right about, about the timing. Cause I thought that and I was like, Oh, it's, you know, look at the, the guys, guys and girls who are 25, 26. And that's so old. Like, I don't want to get that age, but <laughs> I'm 26 now and I still feel young. I don't feel like, you know, I don't feel like I've got only a little bit of time left. Like I still right. have the urgency element, but I still feel like I've got a lot of time ahead of me to, to do yeah. what I need to do, you know? So, yeah. um, and the second question is if there's one statement that you could write in a time capsule, 
that that goes into the time capsule for generations from now to read, what would that one statement be? Don't waste time others wish they had. Hmm. I love that. I need, I need to write that down. But no, it's good. I, I hope people just soak that in because, it, you know, like not everyone has that time as we we're talking about, like throughout this whole conversation. So we should be grateful that we do have an extra 24 hours. So yes yes last question above all else is what's the legacy you want to leave behind whatever age it is that you come to at the end what's what what is it that you want to leave behind i i want to leave a legacy that reminds people that there is always hope in the dark i want to leave a legacy that tells people you can face some ugly stuff but you can still get up and you can still fight and believe it or not you can have a life that you dream of if you fight for it, if you push for it. And when I say life that you dream of, I'm not talking fancy cars and airplanes and jets. I'm talking about a life full of love, full of meaning, and definitely full of purpose. And do it unsugarcoated. <laughs> yeah, you had to finish that way. I'm glad that you brought it full circle and we ended with that. So, no, thank you so much for doing this. I know we had a, a couple of hiccups in the middle, but we definitely need to do part two because there's so many other areas that we can talk about and dig into. So, I, I'm, I'm really humbled and, and grateful that you took the time to do it. Oh, thank you. And we'll be doing one in person too in London. Yeah, yes, most, de yes, most <laughs> definitely. Most definitely that's coming soon. But yeah, all right, okay. I'll speak to you soon. So that's wisdom from a individual who's survived cancer not once, not twice, but three times. It's insane how positive her outlook is and, and, you know, the appreciation she has for life. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If there's anything that stood out to you, reach out to me on Instagram at knowyourlegacy. As always, I read everything and I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, if you think this is an amazing episode and you think it's worthy of a review, please leave one. That's the best way we can spread the wisdom of every legend on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. And you can watch the face-to-face -face version of this episode on YouTube, as always, on the Know Your Legacy channel. If you want to find out more about Alia, follow her on Instagram at Alia underscore unsugarcoated. You can also visit her on relationshipsunsugarcoated.com and don't forget to read her book Tough Love on Amazon. Until next time guys, remember you're only one decision away from becoming a legend.